Dougie though. Dougie P. I ain't gonna lie, I ain't feel how they gonna do my man Dougie P like that though. Like, I really hope he went in there. I hope I hope he didn't get fired. I hope he quit. I'm tired of everybody telling him what to do, man. I hope he told Lori, if y'all ain't gonna let me coach, then suck. This ain't rocket science, people. And um, we're gonna get straight to it. I got Mr. Fio on the line from Three Birds and a Punt Podcast. Um, but before we get into that, I, I just want to say um, I'm embarrassed to be an Eagles fan. Uh, it seems like everything we do. We just don't do it correctly. We don't execute it correctly or cleanly. Um, starting with that Washington Redskins game, uh, even to us letting Doug Peterson go. I mean, what other team three years after the Super Bowl fires their coach? I just feel like this organization – I just feel like this organization is just out of whack. It's out of sync. Um, it, needs, it needs totally – it needs structure from top to the bottom, from the owners down to the players. I just feel like every, every, everything's out of whack. And it's starting to show on the field. Clearly, we couldn't handle success. Um, we had one Super Bowl, and now we're not act. It's just like a it's like a colored family hitting the lottery, and maybe you don't hit the lottery for that much money, but you think you set for life, and you start acting crazy. Uh, that kind of that kind of remind me uh, of the Eagles. And now you're right back to work, nine to five. Maybe if you invested that money and did a little better with it, it could have lasted a little longer. But yeah, clearly. Um, Clearly, clearly the franchise is just is just out of whack. But what I will say is, even though I don't like what they did to Doug, um, it's kind of just like the president. Um, no matter who the president is, and we got people making all this noise, storming the Capitol, doing all that, it really don't change your, your everyday life who the president is. And that's kind of how I feel about the head coach. I mean, no matter who coaches this team, I got drafted here in 86. So your boy, your, your boy rocking regardless. Uh, Miss Sophia is, is coming to us from Miami, Florida, even though she's from West Philadelphia. And I just want to know, like, like, so, talk to me. Two, two Birds fans talking. Talk to me. How do you feel about um, Doug Peterson being let go? Absolutely. Thank you for, again, having me on. Um, I'm going to just jump right in. I'm actually, to a certain extent, I'm relieved. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go into a little bit of detail of why I'm relieved. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you very much to Doug Peterson, okay? He was the only coach we've had to bring us a Super Bowl, and that is something that will never be taken for granted or never be forgotten. And so for that, Doug will always have a very special place in my heart, and I am very happy that we were able to experience as fans the joy of the 2017 season. Um, so with, with that being said, I want to go into why I'm relieved. I'm relieved because... If you're an Eagles fan and you've been watching the last three seasons since the 2017 season, you've noticed that there has been a distinct lack of creativity, innovation, um, um, excitement, and and you know explosion in our offense. So we've gotten very stale. We've gotten very predictable. We've gotten very pedestrian. And so when you look around and you're trying to, I mean, first we were blaming Mike Grell, and then he got fired, and then Doug said it's all on me, and then we went. 4, 11, and 1, and he got fired. So, honestly, it was what needed to happen because of the results of the season. In my estimation, though, Jeffrey Lurie didn't go far enough. He only took one part of the problem away, duh, the coaching. 
but he didn't attach personnel or the talent. And that is why I feel relieved, but not overall happy about the result, because to my estimation, the job's not finished. Okay. So <clears throat> all right, just, just, to, just to backtrack. So you basically wanted Doug fired. Yes, I did. I did. I thought it was time. Okay, and you felt as though, all right, so you, you wanted him fired, but did you think he would get fired? I wanted him fired, but I didn't think that he would get fired. I thought that Jeff would give him one more year, that, that it would be a situation where he would look at all the extenuating circumstances, you know, the pandemic, not having an off season. I mean, even the fact that Jeff, I mean, sorry, that Howie and Doug did a press conference together made it all seem as though, you know, Doug was coming back. And I... To Jeffrey Lurie's credit, in his press conference, he made it seem as though the biggest reason why Doug wasn't back, not because he wasn't effective or not even because of the results of this past season, but when they looked ahead and they they prognosticated into the future, Doug didn't have a long-term plan. He only had a right-now plan, and that's not where Jeff wanted to be if you listen to his press conference. So if I'm thinking about it like that, then I can understand why, you know, Jeff and, and Doug went their separate ways, especially when you consider that in Doug's time as an Eagles coach, he hasn't done the best job of building up a, a great staff. You know, there's not many, other than Frank Wright and John D. Filippo, there are not too many coaches who, who leave Doug and then go on to a higher level, uh, the next level in their, their coaching tree. And I think that just goes to something that I've been hearing a lot in the, with a lot of people on Twitter and, and on the Eagles beat, that Doug can't coach his coaches. That's a real problem for me. If you're not able to coach your coaches, then you're not going to be able to do an effective job because you can't be everywhere at once. You can't do everything at once. And I think that was ultimately what, uh, what happened to Doug. Okay, I, I got to say, listen, I agree with you 100%. On literally every point you hit, everything you said, um, the only reason, and, and to be honest, the only reason I wanted Doug here is um, because for me, it starts with stability. Um, and and anybody that tells you, I'm more like an emotional um, Eagles fan. Like, I always believe we can do it. I always believe we can win. But it sounds like you're spitting the facts. And with the facts you spit, it does make it seem like it, it was time uh, for Doug to go, to, to go. Because I really do believe that, yeah, the, the offense was stagnant. It wasn't creative. I mean, literally, all the things you said. But I think me growing up and like, all right. So first, like, let's let's just talk like my earliest Eagles memories, right? We had like Ray Rhodes, and, yeah. And 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 before that, the Eagles were terrible. But when I'm five, six, seven years old, we got a black coach. We got Ray Rhodes. I remember making the playoffs with like Ricky Waters and players like that, right? And mm -hmm. then when he leaves, we bring in Andy Reid, right? So then we got Andy Reid for like 15 years or, or, or what right. have you. And then we have Chip Kelly. Then we have Doug. So my biggest thing is stability. And my biggest thing is the front office. And I, I've always been a, a big fan of uh, of Jeffrey Lurie. But now I'm just starting to feel like this whole thing is out of control. Now, maybe the Super Bowl meant so much to me that I felt like Doug should stay, to be honest, just off the strength of that. But I do believe in what you kind of said was like, okay, he did his job, he did what he did, and now it's time to move on. And I think it probably would have hurt us in the long run if we did keep him, even though they, they weren't on the same page. But what I would like to see personally it's just like more structure and more stability. I understand that the, what Chip Kelly did to us, um, Mr. Lurie just wasn't giving out no more power, right? right. But I feel like, um, okay, so if you got Lurie as the owner, you got Howie as, we'll just call him a GM, even though he has, he wears many hats and does a lot of different things. 
And then you have Doug as the head coach. And then you got like all these just different positions on the staff. So even though it sounded like you you gave the blame to Doug Peterson because he's the head coach, like what about Howie? What about the scouts? Just what about – I just feel like the front office, we don't have a traditional like pecking order. So I don't know who to blame. Because to be honest, all the stuff you named, I kind of feel like um, they didn't do Doug any favors because I feel like Doug is just the coach. But he's really listening to like maybe what Howie may be telling him to do. You, you understand what I'm saying? Just because, you know, your topic was just what you felt about the dub decision. Um, I, I want Howie's time in the barrel, too. Don't get me wrong. Right. If it, it does not satisfy me to fire Doug and not fire Howie. In my estimation, you should have fired both. Because in to me, in my mind, Howie Roseman has overseen Andy Reid being fired, Chip Kelly being fired, and now Doug being fired. Right. So, realistically, he's getting to hire his He's going to be working with his fourth coach in like 20, 10, 20 years of being associated with the Philadelphia <laughs> exactly. organization. Yes. That's unheard of. You know, and if you the... listen to Lori's press conference yesterday, you, you could tell that he is not even in a space where he can even think about blaming Howie for the mess. That's happened. There's an analogy that I that I've heard a lot in, in the football coach. I, for, I forgot which coach said this. Um, I believe he was a coach of the Patriots, right? He was like, um, um, sometimes you want to know how the groceries are being bought before you cook them for dinner. That was Parcells. <laughs> yeah, Parcells, Bill, right? Bill Parcells. I, I, yep. I love that quote, but I'm thinking about it all the time when I think about the 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 destruction of the Andy Reid. Andy Reid years, the destruction of Chip Kelly years, and then now with with Doug. And just to kind of give the audience a little bit of my own background, um, I'm not as far back of a fan as Trip Payne. You know, he has the Ray Rose years to kind of be a, a, a reference point. Me, I became a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles during the 2004 season when we made it to the Super Bowl. I was in eighth grade. It took over the city. Like, I grew up as an Eagles fan. This is all self-learned. None of my family is into football. We're all immigrants. If you like football, you call it soccer, right? <laughs> right. So I had to teach myself this whole sport from the ground up, and it started with that magical year. And so when I saw how we gained more power and then how that translated into the personnel decisions being worse and worse, and then I got um, Andy Reid fired after a 4-12 and season. Mm-hmm. And then you bring in Chip, and then him and Howie get into a power struggle for 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 players because mm-hmm. they can't make up, they can't be on the same page when it comes to, to players. Right. And then Chip, you know, the reason that Chip got fired is because he locked um, ownership out of the, the, the personnel process. And obviously he was, he was bad at, at being a likable person. Mm-hmm. And then you have Doug and Doug was hired for his ability to be amenable for his ability to not uh, ruffle the waters, not mm-hmm. be uh, strong willed. But guess what? Even the most, uh, affable person is going to feel insulted when you continue and to try to uh, override him and micromanage him. Exactly. So to get back to my original point with the structure and just like the the power structure of the front office is, I kind of feel like Doug deserve a chance yeah. to be a coach of the team, make all the decisions. And honestly, I'm, I'm not sure how the meeting went. And I've read like several different accounts, but the only reason I'm okay with Doug being let go is because <clears throat> I have a feeling that Doug was tired of listening to everybody. He was tired of looking stupid or ignorant. I mean, and when I mean ignorant, I mean lack of knowledge in these yeah. press conferences when he 
answer a question one way, then the next day, uh, even last offseason, you, you answer a question, will these coaches be back? Oh, yeah, they'll be back 100%. Next day, they're fired. I think Doug, um, like I said, got, got tired of being told what to do, got tired of looking stupid, got tired of looking flimsy in all these press conferences. And I think in the meeting, he pretty much told Lori, even though Lori's pretty much saying, you know, they weren't on the same page about the future, I think he, he had to tell them, listen, either let me do the job or leave me alone. Because I heard last year he, he, he threatened to quit. And um, so, I, like I said, I think he went there and told them that, and they, they weren't feeling it. And um, for some reason, you know, Lori's always going to agree with Howie, and, and, and they got him out of there. So I, I do feel like he deserves at least one more year to do it his way. If he's the coach, let him be the coach. Absolutely, and and I think the reason why he got fired was because he he dug his 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 heels in the sand. He said right. no, and and to to your point, um, even before the twenty twenty season started, you heard rumblings that Doug wouldn't mind if he was fired. Doug wouldn't mind leaving. He's tired of this year because he is the scapegoat. He is the guy that mm-hmm. has to go out there weekend. He has. I think five scheduled, five mandatory media appearances a week where he has to go out and sell a team that he doesn't even get to choose. He doesn't even control. You know? (laughs) So, so I definitely agree with you that, that Doug got tired of being pushed around and the final straw came when they forced him to fire Mike Rowe and he gave Mike his word. He'd be back. He made him look like a fool. Mm -hmm. And you come into this season, you make him hire all these outside voices. He doesn't utilize them. It actually makes the whole entire situation worse. You have too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. so to speak. And then when everything comes out and then you have your meeting with with Jeff, you, you talk about the, the people you want to bring into your staff, and they're all in, in-house in in-hires. They're all retreads. You want to bring mm-hmm. Press Taylor up to offensive coordinator. When Press Taylor has overseen the most massive regression right. in a franchise-level quarterback we've ever seen in the NFL. Can I say this? Yeah. Doug is riding for the gang. He said on gang, I'm bringing all the homies back. Exactly. <laughs> I would love to be in front of Doug. <laughs> Doug, like, listen, I don't care. I'm going down with the homies. You feel and me? you know what? In, in, in my conspiracy theory world, I think Doug did it on purpose. I think Doug knew that he was, if he had given in again, he would never, ever have any say whatsoever. And he was terrified. He's like, I don't need to do this. I'm a Super Bowl winning head coach. There right. are seven, um, there are six other NFL jobs open right now. He's going to okay? the Jets. I, I will not be unemployed for long. Right. So, so and he'll I'm, have say. And he'll have say wherever you go next. Exactly. He'll probably work better with that GM than he'll ever have worked with Howie. And and you know what's crazy to me is if Howie couldn't have made it work, you have so many different levels of personality and Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, and Doug Peterson. Of all three, Doug is the most affable and the most workable person. Right. So you couldn't make it work with Doug Peterson? Right. He got tired of being walked all over. Exactly. Who else could you realistically make it work with? And that's what bothers me about this this process when it comes to Jeff Lurie. You, I don't know how you can realistically see the the options out there. Look at your 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 opening and think we have an attractive situation. When Did you hear him? To the situation, knowing <laughs> that Howie and ownership are going to micromanage, like like Jerry yes. Jones, except. He doesn't take responsibility like Jerry Jones. Did you hear him trying to sell this position yesterday during a yeah, press conference? I oh, I think anybody want to live in Philadelphia. We have great hospitals, great schools. Like, bruh, we have no money. We got no picks. We don't care about no hospitals and schools. <laughs> right. He's like, he's like, we've got an engaging fan base. Right. Like, you don't even listen to your 
And let me let me just say this last point. This is this is also what I think was like one of the, the, the straws that broke the camel back was that last game against the Redskins. I am one hundred percent sure somebody from above Doug told him to lose that game, right? But who took all the heat? They was they was bashing my man on, that Monday morning on ESPN, Fox Sports. Doug took all that heat. And listen, you don't lose that game on purpose unless you know you're coming back, right? Because it, it benefits you to get a higher draft pick. Unlike the Jets coach, I think the Jets was the Jets coach was literally trying to win because he knew he was getting fired regardless. So, so brother, they would have right so whether he was the first pick or the second pitch it doesn't help him none if they get trevor lawrence he don't give a damn he won't be coaching them next year so doug of course he had to lose the game i wish he could have done a little more you know a little more subtle but i think he was trying to carry out the rule from above when somebody told him to lose and he was like this is kind of tight but uh let's throw sudfell in there and that made him look bad it made the organization look bad and i think that has something to do with something to do with it as well because and that brings back to my original point again from the outside looking in, and I want to get your perspective on this because I'm actually I'm still here. I'm in the city. You down there in sunny Florida, um, so I want to get your perspective on how the Eagles look, you know, on a national stage. But even for me, I'm, I was embarrassed Monday morning as an Eagles fan, even though I was happy we lost the game. I'm like, come on, Doug, like you look bad, like you making us look bad, and I was sure it wasn't his point. So my, my question to you is, on a national scale, like how do people perceive the Eagles? Like how, how does it look from the outside looking in? Do we look as unorganized and as dysfunctional as it feels to me here in Philadelphia? Oh, absolutely. And and I would say, you know, um, that on the one hand, I'm so plugged into everything that's going on with Philly. Like Eagles Twitter is alive and well and breathing. So I really try to get a lot of my information from that. But when you see the way the national news media always has our names in their mouth, crazy. You can- just tell that they make so much money, so much bread off of talking about the Eagles. And I agree that that Doug's decision, obviously it wasn't his call, it was above him. How he made that decision, you know it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very ham-handed. And that was, I think, the entirety of Doug's approach. The number one thing that he is good at, and the number one selling point for him with the organization was that he has a lot of emotional intelligence. He's, he's great at the interpersonal relationship. Right. He's able to pull people together in moments of adversity. Well, guess what? In this uh, global pandemic climate where we're doing all the socially distancing things and we're not able to kind of get together the same way we used to, that number one quality of Doug's faded away. And then, of course, you can see the team kind of fell apart because when the that... Um, connecting quality fades away, you have to be able to replicate it in your delegates, i.e. your coaching. Mm-hmm. And because he was his coaches, and because he wasn't able to get them to hold the, the team together, the team the team fell apart. You know, but but I think that that what really needs to happen is the national news media has spent all season pinging back and forth between Carson and Doug. Carson Doug and Carson. Which one to blame? Who's but Ultimately, the person who bears the responsibility is the one buying the groceries, mm-hmm. Howie Roseman. If you look at his tenure, and I'm not just talking about his his last few years since he got back into personnel control. I'm talking about since Dream Team. I'm talking wow, about, yeah. about all 10 <laughs> years of him in the control of personnel department, and he sucked. He's really, really bad. In his last seven years, he's only drafted two pro bowlers, and it's mm-hmm. Carson Wentz and Miles Sanders. And Miles was an alternate. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that just shows you that you what really went bad is that his, his free agent calls are terrible. His drafts are terrible. Oh. 
and the veterans can no longer cover up these holes. The Andy Reid guys are, mm-hmm. are, are leaving. They're set to sail, and right. they can no longer hold on to the, the f- facade of a strong team. And I definitely think that Jeffrey Lurie is living in the past. That went because you heard him. He was like, "We've been in all these um, NFC Championship games. Mm-hmm. We've been playoffs." I'm like, "Bro, if you really think about it, all that stuff that you're talking about happened when Andy Reid was in charge, mm-hmm. when Howie Roseman didn't have any personnel say. Mm-hmm. Since Howie Roseman has had personnel say, you've had um, five playoff appearances and one Super Bowl. Yeah, in years. Like that's not good enough." Yeah, um, and just to hear Jeffrey Lurie defending how yesterday, because basically Lurie said, well, look at all teams. Everybody misses on draft picks. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what he said. And one yeah. reporter was like, well, listen, it's not that hard to make a Pro Bowl. Like, right. <laughs> I got to be honest, my man BG, who's also the co-host of this podcast, he pointed out that over Zoom, these reporters are getting spicy, man. Like, their energy, they just talking crazy to Mr. Lurie. You know, you know, in person, it's, how you doing, Mr. Lurie? And you know you ask these 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 like softball questions, but over Zoom they're like, "Hey man, what's up with this draft record? I mean, it's not even that difficult to make a Pro Bowl. Like, it's like, man, it, they're getting disrespectful." But Absolutely. um, as far as on the terms of personnel, I, I want to hear your opinion. So, how do you feel about the, the Jalen Hurts uh, Carson Wentz situation? Oh my goodness! Um, honestly. The second they picked him, I knew it was going to end up this way. That's why I was really, really upset with the pick. I thought, and actually, you can you can see, you can really see in the ways that that Howie Roseman picks players that he never really set Doug up for success. Look at look at the Jalen, um, sorry, the the Sidney Jones pick. Oh yeah, second rounder. Guy, right, who's not going to be impactful this year? That's going to be impactful two years from now. He never panned out. Mm-hmm. You have the Andre Dillard pick. He's not going to play this year. He's supposed to be impactful next year. Right. He's injured. We have no idea about his success. And now you have Jalen Hurts. He's he's not supposed to be impactful this year, except we had to make we had to justify his pick. So you put him on the field. You get in the head of your franchise starting to be. He starts to play so badly that your self fulfilling prophecy comes into play. And I just think it was so um, arrogant. And hubristic for them to look at the situation, look at everything that's going on, and not think about what drafting a second round QB in Philadelphia would do. And and they created all of this because the entire process was bad. And that bothers me because if you look at what Jeffrey Lurie said yesterday, he was like, I don't so much focus just on the result. I'm also looking at the process that came into the result. And he was he was fucking lying. He was like, sometimes in our process, we may have the process to pick the right player, but then, it, then, then they go off the board. And then we just have to go with what's next. I'm like, motherfucker, your job is to be able to know what happens if our best player goes off the board. Who do we have next? And those people, you don't stick with your board. We wanted Jeremy Chin, but you went for Jalen Hurts. You know, we wanted Justin Jefferson, but you went for Jalen Rager. That's not following your board. Ownership picks J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. That's not following your board. Right. So when you so you you see a, a dysfunctional organization and you can see it in the in the results mm-hmm. and then you hear the ownership talk about the process being collaborative and decisive and, and, and on the same page, you don't see that. So that's where I'm really um struggling with that disconnect because mm-hmm. you can tell that 
what they what their process is, they throw it out. They throw it out the window when it comes to the results. Right. And that bothers me. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the word arrogance because I definitely feel like, and you mentioned Howie's you know draft history. There's definitely a hint of trying to outsmart people, like trying Absolutely. to do what everybody else uh, wouldn't do. But the only problem is you're not getting you're not you're not getting the results. <laughs> you feel me? Like you mentioned the okay, well Sydney Torres Achilles, we'll, we'll take him here in the second round because he was a top ten pick. That didn't work out. You mentioned the Dillard, like it's like the Jalen Rager was like I never heard a dude until they said his name. I had to hop on YouTube and see what was going on. The JJ Arthega thing, like he's a jump ball guy and like it's it's not. They not in an Alshon role, but then he never got on. He, but then you guaranteed Alshon this money. That was his contract. It's just so that you can tell that they start one way and then go, ah, nope, let's go this way. Ah, nope, let's go this way. You know what it is? Like, they don't have that. And I, because they make all these mistakes, right? And I think they're so drunk off the results they get because no matter all these bad decisions we make, like you said, we still end up in the playoffs. But mainly because of old Andy Reid guys and even some Chip Kelly guys. I mean, everybody hates Chip Kelly, but a lot of his players, you know, helped us win the Super Bowl as well. So I think, I think us winning and us, you know, like I said, making the playoffs the last three years keeps these guys, like, intoxicated and make them think that it's okay to be doing all the obvious things. And, and I just feel like Philadelphia sports fans are so smart. We, if, I don't know if you get a chance to listen to 94, you know, WIP, you know, down in Florida. But it's like the obvious thing that every Philadelphia sports fan knows they should do. <laughs> they just do something different. Like the, Je- the, the Jefferson pick, that was a no-brainer. And you go with Jalen Rager? Yep. Because of the Did speed? Did you see that um, the Vikings were laughing when they saw that we had picked uh, Jalen Rager? That's crazy. They laughing disbelief. They couldn't believe we were so stupid. And the kid is going to be rookie of the year. What, 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 he set a record? What, he had like 1,400 yards receiving this year? Like, it's, it's... Yes, he broke. He broke. Uh, Randy Moss. Record. Was it Randy Moss record he broke? Yeah, and and but to to be fair, to be fair to Jalen and and Justin, like you can't project Justin's numbers in our offense because that's not the way our offense was built. Our offense is was built as two tight end sets, like a twelve personnel. That right. sometimes there's eleven personnel, and you could tell when we couldn't do, and, and that was a terrible way to to build an offense. Again, a redundant pick. Like, I like Dallas Goddard, but he was yeah, redundant. We, we didn't and need him at the time. Yeah. As a second-round pick where he did, when you just had your best tight end in the history of the NFL come off from the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Right. I, I didn't even think about that. Then they, they, they picked Goddard. <laughs> didn't even, right. That's the, a good point. And then, and then the next year they did the same thing. So so things like that just really bug me because it shows me that, that they're thinking that they're trying to do the short-term, long-term uh, mix like a like an infrastructure right, that, right. that has been successful for a lot of teams but you can tell that the eagles don't know what they're doing like they want to be a successful team a la seahawks a la steelers a la patriots but they are not able to manage it because um the gm enables ownership to help him pick players you know, you know Sharif miller was an ownership pick J.J. Ortega Whiteside was an ownership pick. Now I'm honestly thinking Vinny Curry was an ownership pick, probably. Because <laughs> he was a Philly guy. You right. know? Yeah, yep. Grew up in New Jersey. So, yeah. And and that's where you go. Once you have ownership picking players and not actually allowing the people he pays to right. do their job. There you go. And that's, that's the thing about Rager, because, I mean, like, his father played for the Eagles. So they were like, hey, well, exactly. let's, let's, let's try his son. Like, go ahead, blah, 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 blah. And I've heard um, 
that Howie really trusts, uh, what's this guy, Lincoln Riley, and that, that Howie will go talk to Lincoln Riley, and he told him, get Jalen, and get, get both Jalens. And I'm like, bro, why are you listening to a college QB coach over your own uh, scouts, over your own personnel department, and then probably even over your own coaches in your organization? And now you hear reports that 10 minutes after the meeting was over with, with Doug and he got fired, um, Howie put a call into Lincoln Riley. Right. Like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah. It just it just stinks. And honestly, honestly, big picture, I'm happy about this because to me, what I see is the spotlight gets bigger on Howie, not smaller. Because you can't you, the, it, with the Chip Kelly years, you could. I mean, with Andy Reid, you said time, um, time needed. It was time to move on for both parties, right? It was just too right. too it was long. Fifteen years. Yeah. Yep. With Chip Kelly. Um, Howie was able to say, well, Chip was a horrible person, right? He's he's not a, a personable guy, and that's the reason why he got fired. Okay. But Doug is genuinely a nice guy. He's well-liked all around the league. This looks ugly. This stinks. Yeah, we're and not, it's we're only going to get right worse now. because guess what? Every every coach that, that Howie has worked with has a shelf life about two to three years before they get sick of it. So, to me, I'm thinking, guess what, guys? We only have two or three more years of Howie Roseman fucking this shit up because he's not going to get an opportunity to hire another coach. There's just no way. The NFL will not allow it. They will turn on Howie Roseman when he inevitably sours the relationship with the next coach. This is true. So, so, so moving forward, who would you like to see? I mean, do you have any, anybody you would like to see, head coach? Absolutely. I got a couple of, of people. My first primary goal is who's going to fix Carson? Because realistically, <clears throat> and this is I saw a lot of Jalen Hurts. He looks like a capable backup. He looks like a guy that can come in and provide you with a spark. But I don't know about his ability over 16 games because his arm is not quite there. And he's not as fast as Lamar Jackson. So I don't know if he could give us what Lamar Just live off his legs. I agree with you 100%. I'm going to go ahead and just say it. I, I want Carson back here. I rather I rather roll with Carson. Yeah, I, because because guess what? QBs have down years, and most QBs in their especially fifth with year this dysfunction have bad years. And when you think about the fact that he had the worst line in the history of the NFL, his top two skill players uh, and tight ends were hurt at different levels of the time. All of his wide receivers were hurt, and none of his wide receivers are good for the past two years. <laughs> Those are all reasons that I would bring Carson back. Right. So. If I'm thinking about a guy that I think could rehabilitate Carson's career, I like Arthur Smith. I thought he's done really great things with Ryan Tannehill out there in the Titans. I like Ryan Babo with the Bills. I think he's done amazing things for Josh Allen's career. Mm -hmm. I even like I heard we requested permission to interview Robert Saleh with the 49ers, and I'm so, so for that because I think that more than anything, he's a leader of of coaches, and I think that's what – a quality Jeff was looking for. And he's their D coordinator, right? Person coaches, coaches. And he's their D coordinator. Yeah, he's. Because we haven't had a defensive guy here, and who knows how long? Probably right. since Ray Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, before we we touch on your, your podcast, uh, just to you know, put a bow on this Eagles conversation, the pick. All right, so we we made all that noise to move up from nine to six. Anybody you looking at? You want to see in the first round? Um. If they're not taking an impact wide receiver, just go home. 
Really? I, I, I saw a guy last night in the a guy uh, last Ohio, night. Uh, Ohio game. Yes. Number six. Yes, number six. Okay. He, 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 he single-handedly changed the dynamic of that game. We need somebody like that. And I think that was the biggest thing missing through these last three years. Devontae Smith. Wide receiver. All right, so my question to you about Devontae Smith, and this is a question I've been asking everybody. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how, how closely you follow college football. But, not, not close at all. Okay, well, I'm just asking in general. We'll see what your answer is. But in, if he's that good, right, which he's had a great season. I mean, he just won the Heisman. I think last night the boy had about 275, three touchdowns and a half because he broke right. his hand. He didn't even finish the game. But if Correct. he's that good, how come he's still in college? Like you, you Nowadays you, it's rare to see a player play all four years. And I just feel like if he was really that great, it would really be that great of a pro because we all know Heisman's have moved on to the NFL and not done much. But if he's right. historically this great, how come he wasn't projected even though he was he was he did play with Henry Ruggs and um the other guy that came out last year. But basically what I'm saying is, even though he played with other great wide receivers, how come he wasn't projected to be this great anyway? And you know mostly they'll still draft you anyway off your potential. So, so that, that's my question. That's my only question about drafting him. If he's really that great, how come he didn't leave last year? You know, that's that's a great question. I don't I don't follow that much college sports. I only really peek in when it gets close to the draft to look at, you know, guys that I think might fall to the Eagles. So I, I can't I can't say, you know, but I but I generally do think that we need an impact player. We need somebody who can come in and contribute now. Um a part of me really thinks, honestly, if I'm like peeking out and squinting my eyes, I can actually even see them. Let's say things don't work out with Carson and they don't believe in Jalen because I don't think that they do. I could see them drafting a quarterback at six, which is terrible. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure who will beat her at six. Functional, our entire organization is. But when it comes to Devontae Smith, I, I, I like what I hear about him. You're right. I didn't hear his name very much until this year. Mm-hmm. He's come on in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that means that it's only you know uh, temporary or if there's something that he can actually make the jump into the NFL. I guess you you'd have to wait and see. Um, but, but if you I, missed on that type of pick, though, you you wouldn't you wouldn't be shamed. If you missed on him, at, say we we drafted him at six, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody would be mad at Howie if it didn't pan out. Right, exactly. On a player like that, you understand what I'm saying? Exactly. So, it, so I mean, but I think I think that when you think when you look at it, Howie's track record outside of the top ten when it comes to first round draft picks are terrible. Mm-hmm. So, so it's really he can't lose. He really can't lose when it comes to picking somebody in the top ten. So as long as he, um, and I can actually even see a situation where we move back, like we we draft six, but we even move back to nine, and 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 you know, depending on who's at the board, pick up some picks, you know, things of that nature. We need them. Yeah, we, we can we can definitely use more picks because like I don't know, like I said, Jeffrey Lurie trying to sell the job. These people we don't have anything, no money, no picks. What we seventy five million over the cap. Yeah. So, um, but no, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your time. It was definitely a good conversation. Uh, tell me more about your, your podcast, Three Birds and a Punt. First of all, where can they find it? Absolutely. All right. So, thank you for letting me plug a little bit. So yes, I am the co-host of Three Birds and a Punt. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, all the platforms there. Um, I, we're basically just three very passionate fans who have a very, we call it a mature audiences only type of show. So if, if little kids like to listen, that might not be the, the pause for them because we, we do use a lot of explicit language in the show. Um, we really just try to generally go through, we, we host a podcast, 
once a week. We try to do twice a week. And we talk about the things going on in the Eagles. We talk about recap, recap the game. We talk about the coaches. We spend a lot of time railing on Howie Roseman and how he has really damaged um, the integrity of the Eagles from the ground up. And really, we just want to get connected with other like-minded fans. If you're passionate about the team and you like to hear other passionate fans, you know, give you a, a fan's perspective, not like an insider's perspective, I think our pod is a great one to, to subscribe to. That's what's up. It was really refreshing even talking about sports on here. We used to do a show on, we used to do a show called The Sports Bar, but I just want to get back to just making everything simple. So even here on uh, the same rocket science, we're going to definitely talk sports, and it's, it's been good um, talking to you. And I know you said you guys haven't been doing it too long. How many episodes do you have up so far? We have twelve episodes. Oh, that's so, oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. And so um, that's a nice we, body we of work. We we started this season, um, this upcoming season, which I don't know if it was a good or a bad thing, but we've gotten some great content. We've had some really great discussions, and I was talking to Jermaine off the pod. I want to bring this up to you guys. We're going to be on Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're on that platform and you want to hear more discussions about talking about the Eagles live interactive, you can follow me on Clubhouse. My name's Afia. I'm at According to Afia on all my platforms, Um, and, you know, that's a great place. To, to meet up and speak one-on-one with a bunch of passionate fans. Perfect, perfect. If you are, I really appreciate your time and, and you doing this. Absolutely. Thank you, Tremaine. She's definitely a real one and um, actually made me feel a lot better. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, we just got to get this franchise moving in the right direction. Um, starting at the top, and I feel like everything everything, everything will work out, and, and we'll definitely get the results in the field. And it'll be back to uh, being fun again because I feel like this season – it was hard to watch, man. It, it, it was hard to watch. Um, if y'all follow me with my stories, y'all already know. We ain't here drinking. We ain't here having a good time. I mean, I kind of feel like that was primary and watching the game was secondary because it, it, it was a tough season. But uh, shout out to Afia, man. Like I said, uh, check out her her podcast, Three Birds in a, in a, in a Punt. Um, you can catch her, according to Afia, you spell her, her, her name, F-A-F-U-A. Um, out of here. <laughs> I'm tired of being hot, 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 being h